Pastini is Eugene's new Italian bistro at Oakway Center, dedicated to serving up two of life's greatest pleasures, pasta and wine. Join them for classic favorites like spaghetti and meatballs, linguine with clams and sausage, and fettuccine Alfredo paired with hand-selected Pacific Northwest and Italian wines. Pastini. Eat pasta. Drink wine. Welcome to the Duck Pod. From the Register Guard Newsroom, here's Ryan Thorburn and Austin Meek. All right, Austin, we're back. It's Civil War Week, which means the regular season is about to close. But uh, I guess let's look back quickly at the Arizona State game. Uh, Really a strange Pac-12 after dark game where uh, Oregon gets outscored. Um, geez, what was it? 16 to three in the second half, but holds on for a 31 29 win. Kind of the opposite of the, their road struggles where they get off to the slow starts. They get off to a fast start in this game and, and, and a slow second half. But, uh, any way you slice it, they improved to seven and four and four and four overall in the Pac 12. It was interesting to listen to Mario Cristobal in his post-game press conference because it seemed like he was just pumped about that win. Man, I think I think he knew that if Arizona State had come back and won that game, which very nearly happened, I think Mario Cristobal knew just how how bad things would be this week. How, you know what the what the atmosphere around the program would be this week. There would have been a lot of doom and gloom around Oregon football this week if if they had blown that lead. So Mario Cristobal was excited about that win. Uh, I think Oregon fans probably were a little more relieved and nervous and kind of scratching their heads saying, what, what happened in the second half? How did you let Arizona State come back and almost win that game? Really, Oregon kind of gave it to him on a platter, you know, uh, between the the interception in the fourth quarter and the offense not really doing anything. Um, if that two point conversion had been reviewed, there's a pretty good chance that game would have gone to overtime. Uh, but hey, give Oregon some credit though, because defensively they stepped up and made a huge play on on the strip sack to get the ball back in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, they opened the door for Arizona State to get back in it, but they also did make a huge play to get the ball back at the end of the game. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure you had Gus Cumberlander as your <laughs> MVP of that game before it kicked off. So, you know, Oregon is getting some unsung hero action with you know Cumberlander and and Travis Dye filling in with the running back situation he had 105 yards rushing um kind of the job him and Verdell did kind of counter countered you know Benjamin the Pac-12's leading rusher who had 149 yards rushing but no touchdowns and um Nikhil Harry and Dylan Mitchell great show there I mean it was it was a good Pac-12 game and it's a good win I know yeah. uh a lot of people poo-poo Oregon's six and one record at home because you know the non-conference was pretty weak and they they did blow the Stanford game, but you know it all starts at home six and one. That's a good place to start. Now they uh, will have to figure out their road issues and a, a good place to do that probably in Corvallis. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the uh, the more intimidating road environments or uh, certainly the toughest teams that Oregon will play on the road. You would not put Oregon State at the top of that list, but, uh, you know, it's 
it's the Civil War, and as cliche as it is, um, the Beavers tend to elevate their game in the Civil War. We saw that two years ago uh, when when Mark Helfrich's Ducks went in there and got beat in Corvallis. Uh, coming off of last year's game, uh, I'm sure that that the Beavers remember that 69 to 10. Is that was that it? Yeah, 69-10 uh, last year. I'm sure the I'm sure that has been uh, sure that has been written on a few whiteboards in Corvallis this week. I don't know if it's enough. Uh, I don't know if it's enough to get the Beavers to where they will compete with Oregon. But at times this year, you know, they've showed um, they've showed the ability to to rise up and and play with some teams. You know, they hey they played with Washington State there earlier this season. Of course, they had the big comeback against Colorado. So it hasn't just been a totally dismal season for the Beavers, uh, but it's still it's a game you think Oregon should win if they just go out there and take care of business. Yeah, I, I just remember so vividly Mark Helfrich walking out that tunnel in 2016. <laughs> I think it was 34-24. Ryan Nall rushed for 1,000 yards and five <laughs> touchdowns or whatever it was. It was a historic performance for the Oregon State Rainback, but I just remember Helfrich walking out that tunnel and just the awkwardness of kind of sensing that it was over, but you know, with Rob Mullins flying back and forth with the college football playoff selection committee, he was in limbo there. He did his normal press conference the next week and <laughs> just a strange way to end it. And obviously Justin Herbert was uh, crushed after that game. Um, he took that one hard. Didn't speak to us that, that day, but, uh, I know Justin's looking forward to attacking this Beavers defense, which is ranked 129th out of 130 teams this year. Yeah, and you have to ask, will this be Justin Herbert's last Civil War? Uh, I think the word all season has been that there's a good chance that he comes back. I still think there's a good chance he comes back. Uh, But I also think, I do wonder, and you'll never get any sense of this at all from Justin Herbert, but I do wonder if the inconsistency of the offense has has started to weigh on him at all um if if he's started to feel like uh the as a lot of fans feel that the offense has just kind of kind of hit a wall you know that that they're they're not um somehow that they're they're just missing some spark that we're used to seeing from Oregon offenses you know, I, I just wonder in, in his heart of hearts, you know, how many times Justin Herbert can see uh, a receiver drop a, a sure touchdown pass, as happened again against Arizona State. I just wonder how many times that can happen without Justin Herbert starting to think, you know, okay, am I really, am I really helping myself by by continuing to, you know, continuing to stay here? W- would Justin Herbert improve next year? I think that's going to be a big question we're going to be asking uh, through the bowl season and leading up to whatever he decides to do with the NFL draft. But uh, if if this is Justin Herbert's last Civil War, then I think the, the Oregon kid from Eugene is probably going to be pretty motivated to go out there and uh, end it on a high note. Well, before we uh, talk about what we think is going to happen on Friday, let's uh, hear from a blast from the past our our guest this week is Dino Filia one of the heroes of the 1994 Civil War which catapulted the Ducks into the Rose Bowl and the program's rise from that point forward which was pretty remarkable let's uh, go to the phone now 
All right, as promised, our guest this week is former Oregon Duck, Dino Filia, who still lives in town and um, does his own barbecue uh, business. And uh, it's great to have Dino on because, um, Dino, I think I'm assuming your biggest Civil War memory was from the 1994 game, which is, uh, you know, legendary in Oregon circles. What do you remember about uh, that afternoon in Corvallis? Probably the only thing I remember more than anything is, is knowing that you know we needed to clinch that win to, to you know to to go to the, go to the Rose Bowl and, and win the Pac-10 and um, obviously with a, a a USC loss, which would obviously give us the outright win. But if, if it tied, then we still had the tiebreaker over SC since we beat SC and, and in the Coliseum. And so uh, the one thing I remember was was we knew that you know we had to win, and, and just like anybody knows. Anytime you're playing the Civil War, it really doesn't matter what the records are because, you know, everybody's playing with a little extra something, you know, because it's, it's that, that one game that you got to get each year. Do you know, I understand you were in to talk to the team this week. Mario Cristobal had you out to uh, address the team and some other former uh, former players who've been around the Civil War. What was your message to the Ducks this week when you had a chance to meet with the team? You know, my message to, to the kids, you know, is, is, is about – you know, leaving a legacy, you know, leaving something that, that, that will never be forgot. You know, le- you know, just, you know, leaving it all out on the field, playing as hard as they can play, just letting them understand that, you know, one day they'll be, you know, standing where I'm standing. And, and the one thing they want to have, you know, as a memory is, is knowing that, you know, they did everything possible to be successful, it, 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 whether it be Civil War or, or if it be in life. And I just told him, I said, you know, I said, you know, once you, you, you get in front of that wall, you figure out how to get over top of it, go through it, or go under it. You just figure out how to get over that damn wall. You figure out how to win, no matter how tough it gets, no matter how hard it gets. You just keep grinding because that's the only option and choice that you got. And so that was one thing I stressed to him was about getting out there, starting fast, and getting on top of them and, and just, you know, taking the life out of them. What was the uh, intensity like in 1994 between the two teams? Um, you know, obviously Oregon won by 59 last year, but two years ago they they lost in Corvallis, and that really stung. Obviously it was Mark Helfrich's last game at Oregon, but was there uh, the intensity or was it just the stakes were, were higher, or, or how would you describe kind of the, the vibe going into that game? You know, the intensity was extremely high because, like I said before, we, we had we had we had to win the game, and and it's just like you know, when you get really close to something that you you've dreamed of all your life, and you're talking about a lot of kids, you know, back then that you know didn't get the SC offer, didn't get the UCLA offer, you know, didn't get that first year offer that they wanted to be able to still play in one of the greatest bowl games in college history. When you when you're that close, when you can touch it, smell it, and for a lot of other guys. It was going home for them. So to be that close, you can feel the, the, the energy and the swift of the guys knew the importance of us winning that game. They, you, and the intensity was extremely high. The stories are kind of legendary about Rich Brooks and the emphasis that he put on the Civil War. What's, what's, your, uh, what's your memory of, of Rich Brooks during Civil War week? Uh, c- could you tell that that game really meant a lot to him? You know, and a lot, you know, and and, and, and there was four times I didn't realize Coach played at Oregon State, hmm. and so you would have never knew 
how much he literally despised the Beavers. I mean, I didn't realize Coach was a Beaver, but he was so green inside. He wanted to beat them so bad. And I think when you when you've been on the other side of the ball, you know what it feels like to be hated, and you know what the intensity and the importance of that game. And so, Coach being on both sides of the ball, he understood how important it was, how crucial it was in winning that game in state. And I think a lot of people don't understand that game is, I mean, that game is big. I mean, and, and a lot of people don't realize that the Civil War is the longest running public, you know, college rivalry in the, in the nation. I mean, it's it. I mean, it's the longest running private university rivalry there is. Our Civil War is. So when you talk about the importance of winning it, it matters. You know, it matters to, the, you know, little kids when they're deciding whether they want to be a duck or a beaver. It matters to, you know, the 85 and 95-year-old you know, grandfathers and granddaddies. It matters to them because, you know, they've seen them go a lot of different ways, you know. And it, it matters to former players who played on both sides that now are either married to a duck or married to a beaver. It matters because it, it, gives, you, it gives you bragging rights for a whole year in, during football that you kick their butt. And sometimes, like I said, it doesn't matter, you know, what, what, what their record is or our record is because it's like you get you get two different teams in play, you know. Uh, teams are playing for something. They're playing, they're playing for bragging rights in the state of Oregon. They're playing for bragging rights of the longest-running public rivalry in college football there is. They're playing for that. It, 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 it matters. Obviously, that 94 game was such a breakthrough for Oregon. It was the first time Oregon had been to the Rose Bowl in, in 37 years. And you said you mentioned to the, the current Ducks about doing something to be remembered. I imagine you take a lot of pride in your teammates and, and the fact that a lot of people give that 94 breakthrough credit with where Oregon went from there, where they rose to become one of the the great uh, powers under Chip Kelly and even Marcus Mariota. Um, what was it like to kind of go from where you guys had that breakthrough to watching where the program went from that point on? Well, and, and see, the, the guys that I played with and, and, and the guys in the Richbrooks era, the Mike Blotty era, you know, you know, anytime you're building anything great, anything special, you got to have, what do you got to have first? You got to have a strong foundation. It's got to be on good soil. And, and we're, we're that foundation. We're, you know, I'm part of that foundation. I'm, I'm part of that, that, that cement, that sand that's in that foundation. Me and all the other guys that are played, you know, you know, prior to the guys now. They're here now because of us. That's why they're here. And so knowing that, you know, we help create what, what people used to say, oh, are, are you a duck or are you a beaver? And, 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 and no matter where I go in the country now, people know when you say Oregon, they say duck. They don't say whether you're a duck or a beaver. They say, oh, the ducks. That's what they say. And so to know that I was a part of that, to know that I'm a part of that foundation that we built, you know, a lot of people look back and think, well, yeah, that Chip Kelly era. No, that, that era started before Chip Kelly. We, we gave Chip Kelly, we, 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 gave, we gave Chip Kelly a Maserati is what we gave him. Hmm. We gave him a Maserati, and you know what he did? He ran fast with it. That's what we gave him. You know, because if the question is, is you, you, you think he could have did that with the same funds 
and the same opportunities that Coach Rich Brooks had or Coach Bilotti had? I mean, I beg the difference. There's been a lot of great coaches that have coached, but when you have the resources now that we help put in place with the foundation with all the guys that I play with, it allows for coaches to be a lot more successful. It allows them to do a lot more. It allows them to go out and get better players because they got better facilities. With the better facilities and the better uniforms and the nicest shoes, now we're not competing with all these other schools for, for you know, who has the nicest facilities or who has the nicest jersey. We are that school now. We set the standard. And so you set the standard. It's, 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 it, 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 it gave a guy like Chip, it gave him a running start. And don't get me wrong, Chip, when he coached here, hell of a coach, great coach, still is a hell of a coach, and a great coach, and I respect him because he helped, he helped elevate it to another level. You know, but all those guys that came prior to him, you know, they got this, they got this vehicle ready for him to, to, to go and go fast in. And, and that's what he did. Well, Dino, since uh, since your playing days ended, you've gone on to uh, have a successful business, uh, catering business, barbecue is your your specialty. So I'm I'm from Kansas City, so I, I you know we we have strong opinions about barbecue back there. Um, so there's the Kansas City barbecue, there's the Texas barbecue, there's the Carolina barbecue. So what what what's the best kind of barbecue? Give us your uh, give us your barbecue takes here. Well, you know, for me, it really all depends on what you want. Because most people, when, when, when you think of ribs, everybody's thinking Kansas City. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime you're thinking of beef, everybody's thinking of what? Texas, which is brisket. Mm-hmm. And when you're thinking of pork, there ain't, no, there, ain't no, there ain't no other place that does pork better than North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do chopped barbecue pork, which everybody else calls pulled pork. There's, there's nothing like what we do. And so when I, when, I look at, when I look at barbecue, I break it up into regions. And, 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 and the reason why I break it up in the region is because, you know, when, it, when, when you say ribs, everybody's thinking the Kansas City style. They're not thinking the North Carolina style. They're not thinking the Texas style. You know, nobody does brisket like Texas. Texas own brisket. You know, they own briskets and they own sausage. Hmm. You know, if anybody else comes in the game saying that they do it better, I beg the difference. But when it comes to ribs, whether you want them dry or wet, I mean, Kansas City is a spot you want to get them at. I mean, I like to take claims for North Carolina having better ribs, but unfortunately we don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you, you know? Do you know? Obviously, uh, Thanksgiving's coming up. So, uh, how do you do uh, turkey at your house? You know, we do we do it a couple different ways. We, you know, we, we, you know, we, we do oven and we'll, and we'll do one. We'll do one. You know, smoked. Um, we'll smoke a turkey, and this year I got to do some deep fried smoke and and uh, we do some bake so there'll be a combination of, of, of all those different things going on this year hmm. man it's almost lunchtime you're making me hungry here i'm gonna have to uh gonna have to get some of your barbecue uh next next chance i get but hey we we appreciate you coming on the podcast with us uh thanks thanks a lot and uh enjoy the civil war on friday you too man you take care all right good stuff from dino um we appreciate his time um I'm getting next, very hungry. Yeah, next right time now. let's have him in studio and <laughs> yeah. uh, see if he can bring some food. We should. Uh, I'd like for his 
barbecue company to be a sponsor of the podcast. <laughs> hey, we we love uh, we love Pastini. Yeah. Uh, you guys can bring his food too. Uh, we we do not discriminate. Anybody who's offering his food, we will accept. But uh, the more, the merrier in our yeah. book. Just one free meal a week would be all we would be asking on that. Um, I don't know if that's gatehouse's policy or not. But uh, anyway, the Civil War is Friday, short week for the Ducks. Um, you know, for short week for Oregon State. They lost at Washington last week, which was uh, a sort of homecoming for Jonathan, Jonathan Smith, who was Chris Peterson's offensive coordinator before taking on this project. Um, what have you seen? In, you know, I know we're – so dialed in on Oregon, but have you had a chance to kind of follow Jonathan's rebuilding process? Because, I mean, let's face it, it was a disaster last year, 6910, as we mentioned, in Eugene to end that thing. That was one of the more nightmarish seasons I can recall in major football. Yeah, I, from what I've been able to watch of the Beavers, I've been really impressed with what Jonathan Smith has done with their offense because they were just abysmal last year offensively they just had no clue what they were doing no identity offensively and this year they've become a dangerous offensive team they can score some points defensively they're not really able to stop anybody and so it's kept them from having much success in the Pac-12 but offensively they've been able to hang with some teams Jamar Jefferson the freshman running back is going to be a really good player is already a really good player I've been impressed that Oregon State's really had no consistency with their quarterback position, but yet they've continued to be able to score some points, whether it's Connor Blount uh, or Jake Luton, whoever's whoever's behind center, they've been able to still continue to have some success offensively. So I'm pretty high on what Jonathan Smith has done with, with Oregon State's offense. I'm not totally sold on the direction they're going defensively, uh, but I think they've got a team that can definitely score some points on Oregon. I don't think this is going to be just a, a total Oregon blowout because I think the Beavers are going to I think the Beavers are going to score some points. You know, they scored 23 I think on on Washington in Seattle last week. So if they can do that against Washington, they can easily put 30 on the board against Oregon and the question to me is can Oregon get to 40 or or 45 or whatever. Yeah, and when you look at Jake Browning and Washington, I mean they're still in the hunt to you know, if they win the Apple Cup in Pullman, they can go to the Pac-12 championship. But you get the feeling they miss Jonathan Smith up in Seattle this year. It, that might be the, the key ingredient as to why they haven't quite lived up to their expectations. But I think you're right. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, the Oregon State defense is still a major work in pro, uh, progress. They're 129th in points allowed and yards allowed. Uh, I think only Connecticut has worse stats on the season so uh i think herbert uh, there's a possibility to score 40 or 50 but um if they get that third down chainsaw going you just never know (laughs) well before we go uh what's your pick on the big apple cup i picked washington uh you look at that series between chris peterson and and mike leach and it's not even competitive it's 27 point margin for washington um I would love to see the Pirate finish it off and go to the Rose Bowl or maybe even beyond that if uh, chaos ensues above Washington State. But uh, until they beat Washington, you know, I got to see that one to believe it. I'm rolling with the Pirate. I've been picking against him all year. It's come back to bite me every single time. So I'm finally I'm on his side now. I'm rolling with Washington State. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend of football, uh, Civil War 
Apple Cup, lots of other good stuff going on. So uh, enjoy it all. Enjoy the time with family this week. Thanks for checking out the podcast, and we'll be back to talk about the Ducks uh, wherever they're going bowling. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Duck Pod. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. 